Four Seasons of Epic Fantasy, Season 1, Episode 2, Part 2. Welcome to Four Seasons of Epic Fantasy. I'm Leah the Crisp. I'm Thomas of the Luscious Locks. And I'm Jeremy. We're ball caps, not fedoras. No fedoras. No fedoras. No fedoras. I always wanted to wear fedoras, but my head is too fat. Um, <laughs> I just look stupid in hats. <laughs> That's how my wife feels, but I don't agree. Um, so anyway, today is part two of Overcoming Challenges in Writing. So the first chunk of stuff we're going to talk about is getting past writer's block. Um, first thing that I want to say is to a point, there's no such thing as writer's block. Um, there's no such thing as surgeon's block or you know electrical engineer's block. An electrical engineer that you hire to fix electricity in your house doesn't come in, do a little bit of work, and then say, you know what, I'm just not feeling this electrical outlet today. <laughs> I'm gonna go home and rethink my life. Gonna, I am gonna check Facebook, or I'm gonna do something else. Um, now, are there days when writing is hard? Yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Many. Most. <laughs> uh, for me, writing isn't necessarily easy, but very often it is rewarding. It's challenging in a good way because um, it's a lot of work. It's not like sitting there eating an ice cream cone. That's not a lot of work, and that's a whole lot of yum. If you literally think, now there are probably people who do, if you literally think that there are actual spiritual muses that you need to inspire you to write and yours just didn't show up today, then okay. But if you're not, <laughs> <laughs> if you're not, um, then, you know, stop stop blaming the non-existent muses you know, for your non-writing. You talk about muses being non-existent, but have you ever met people who just, like, after you've hung out with them, suddenly you have ideas? Yes, okay. like you guys. Yeah. See, every time I come to this group, I have more ideas when I leave. I've got another friend that she and I get together every single, like, every couple of weeks, and we meet at the uh, Harmons downtown, that big pretty one. You know? Yeah. And we we just talk about writing and do writing together, and I always feel really inspired after that, too. So I, I think there are muses. They're just not mythical creatures. They're just people. I like that a lot. In fact, that is good. that's a solution that we didn't even talk about. Oh. Talking it out with somebody. Yeah, talking uh-huh. it out with somebody. So um, my best friend, uh, he goes down to school in Provo, but uh, I call him on the phone a lot, and we talk about different things, including writing. Now, he's big into poetry, and... He does not really get into reading epic fantasy. Mm. He, he, he's tried a few of my books. He, it's just not his thing. But he's a great person to bounce ideas off of or like, I'm having this issue figuring this out in my story. And mm-hmm. that's a great way to get past it. Cause yeah, I have a friend like that too. He doesn't really read much and he doesn't write. He reads comics sometimes, you know, but I can bounce ideas off of him and he'll come back with even better ideas. Like he takes my ideas and adds, adds spices and just makes it better. Yeah. So yeah, people, I think people are the best muses. Your, your spice muses? Yes. <laughs> Spicy writing muses. You know, now that sounds like a, you know, you know, a, a drug dealer in Dune or something. Yeah. But <laughs> the spice must flow. The spice muses. 
So I think that sometimes you could just be missing information about your scene or you don't know something. Like, I was writing a scene for a while. I say I was writing a scene for a while. It was more like I was staring at it, wishing it didn't exist for a while. Because I, I knew what I wanted to have there, but I didn't have enough information. One of my characters was a police officer, and I just didn't know enough about the life, the like a day in the life of a police officer. You know, and it took me a long time to get that information because I found out that if you just walk up to cops and ask, tell them you're a writer and you want to ask some questions, they try to get away from you as quickly as possible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's you haven't put enough groundwork in. Um, like uh, for me, I was writing or I was trying to write a scene of this. Uh, it's a fantasy book, but it was a, a, a woman talking with her college friends and uh I hadn't done any development for the characters when I started trying to write it. I'm like, well, no wonder none of it's coming out. I don't know who any of these people are. Mm -hmm. Or sometimes it's like, I don't know why a character is doing something. Or I don't know why something is supposed to happen. Um, or I'm or I'm saying, um, this thing has to happen. And then I start writing the scene mm. before figuring it out. So one thing that I do about your missing info about your scene... Um, I almost do this every single time that I write a scene. I take a notebook, has to be on paper, and I take five minutes to kind of just outline what I'm going to write in this scene. I already have an outline written, but it's just kind of like, like here's how the scene's going to flow. They're going to talk about this, then this person's going to argue that, and they're going to talk about this. And that way I've kind of done the, the, the you know, a little bit more detail than the big outline, um, but a, like a higher level view of that scene so I don't have to figure out all those details when I'm writing it. I know what needs to happen, or I figure out what needs to happen, and then the actual writing is just how I'm going to say it, how I'm going to show it, yeah. rather than booming both of those at the same time. That's a big one for me. How about you, Jeremy, about missing info about scenes or whatever? Or what do you do I'm that? such an extreme pantser as far as writers go that... I just write. As long as you're not a D pantser. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's happened in my books. But hey, um, seriously, um, if I'm missing an info about a scene, sometimes because I have such limited time to write, I just kind of skip. Uh, I will like leave a section there, maybe even make a note. I may have to come back to this and just keep going if there's something that I need to find out that I need to research. I have done that before. I did that with some horse scenes in uh, in my second book. Like I didn't know much about horses and riding horses, and and these characters are going to ride them, and some of them have never ridden horses, and so they had to experience what I've, I've experienced. But I also had some that knew these things. Did you go so, ride horses? I did not, oh. but I did a bunch of research. I talked to people who are professional riders and got their information. You should ride a horse so that you get a good idea of how much your butt hurts afterwards. Especially I have ridden if it's your one first time. when I was young. Okay, I had so you did? All right. And so I did, I do remember that. Sometimes um, you'll get horses that'll be like, oh, you think you're in charge? No, they're like, <laughs> I'm galloping. Bye. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and so it was, it was interesting because. I kind of skipped that and just kind of went to the next place. Hmm. Um, and then I came back after I'd researched. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, awesome. All right, our next point is sometimes you just need a break. Um, that happens to me all the time. Uh, in coding, in writing, you just sometimes need to step away. You, you just need to take a walk, let the cobwebs clear, and come back. Uh, very simple for me. A lot of the time, it's just step away and do something else. For me, one of my outlets is sports, and so I 
like to run. I run through it. Um, or play basketball through it, or football, or name any sport. Okay, sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, find something that'll just kind of take your mind off it for a second to let your mind kind of reset itself so that you can get back to the scene. And, and you know what? You'll be surprised. Sometimes you get back to the scene and know exactly what you need to do, even though you weren't thinking about it. Sometimes you get back to the scene and you realize, wow, I spent so long writing this and it's garbage. <laughs> That's true. Sometimes you reset the scene. No too. wonder I was having a hard time. <laughs> um, so uh, talking about that... Um, like my brain, if I'm you know working too hard, too long, I will get a, like a headache, and will feel warm, and uh, so, so like like I'm like I've got my foot, I got a lead foot on the gas, and mm. I'm not letting off. Um, the other thing that makes me think about is uh, even when it comes to normal work, I have what I call inhale work and exhale work. <laughs> so writing is exhale work. You're putting mm. stuff out. Yeah. Um, but you can't just breathe out all the time. What? Um, we're, when we weird. talk about finding inspiration, we're going to talk about some inhaling things. Uh, but um, you can't just, you know, output all the time. You have to input sometimes as well. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's meditating and thinking about nothing for 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Silence is fantastic sometimes. It mm -hmm. is. Yeah. I, I've never felt the need to take a break because I have such a hard time just finding the time to write as it is that, you know, my break is my writing. <laughs> yeah. That's usually for me too with writing. Yeah. <laughs> Last of all, I think if your story's really boring, if your story's really boring also, like if you're getting bored writing it, someone's going to get bored reading it. And that can put a stop to your, to your writing as well. So sometimes you just have to erase stuff and start over. Mm -hmm. It should be rewarding like you said earlier. Yeah. Um, there are going to be parts that might be harder or more challenging to write. Maybe mm -hmm. you're juggling a lot of characters or parts or aspects, but like, like, you know, like working on a good project, you're, you're, you're sweating and you're, maybe your arms are sore, but mm -hmm. it feels good. <laughs> yeah. Like you should be just as excited to write a scene as you are to, you know, read a scene. Uh -huh. And if you're not excited to write a scene, I don't think someone else is going to be too excited to read it. If you're not fist pumping, oh, maybe that also means you need a break. But it might just be because your story <laughs> is, boring. is boring. Yeah. I feel like my story is boring. Um, <laughs> it's not. <laughs> but uh, it's, part it of that... It's intrigue. A, a part of that is you've read it four or five times. And, yeah. and to you, you've... You've seen the story. You know what's coming. You, you've read it. I, when I was writing, I was writing this first book mostly at 2 in the morning kind of hours, and so I would use it to go back to sleep. So if that <laughs> was something you're worried about, it, it may not necessarily be as boring as you think it is. Um, you might just be exhausted. You might just be completely <laughs> exhausted. There's a reason why I use that as my first uh, <laughs> tagline. <Sure. laughs> I'm always exhausted. But, yeah, yeah. Um, don't be too down on yourself until you hear maybe a couple other people going, this is really slow here. Because sometimes we're going to be the harshest critics of ourselves. And we will call our stories boring. Oh, it's terrible. Oh, it's whatever. I just call mine trash. That, that isn't a good one. Yeah, I, I argue uh, her story is absolutely not. It is a gem. So Thank you. Um, <laughs> there were parts of it that were definitely trash. <laughs> I haven't seen that part yet. It's because I edited those out. <laughs> Excellent. The <laughs> thing we think that might uh, be considered a writer's block is it just feels unnatural for the character. 
or for the plot. Um, ever had that where you're writing and suddenly your character just takes over a scene, but your character's a shy character that really doesn't want to be in the spotlight yet? you stop yourself and you go, something doesn't feel right. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes you really have to, that will block you at times. You, yeah. you just need to think about it, think through it. How would this character act in this situation? I dealt with that a lot with my book too, because I had a character that, you know, is a highborn girl, grew up in a court in front of people. And why would she act shy in certain situations when she's used to being more of a center of attention? So I had to get you know, I had to put myself in the mindset when I was writing from her point of view that this person is usually pretty confident. Usually. Even, usually. Yeah, even though it starts out with that character pretty out of her element. Yeah. <laughs> Some people say, like, when they're brainstorming stories, and I kind of take my notes this way, like you've got your characters, your setting, and your plot. But in a lot of ways, your characters are born from your setting, and your plot is born from your characters. Mm -hmm. Unless your story is about an inanimate object like a meteorite coming to strike the planet, then the plot the plot is the result of character motivations. Apart from characters, and, and there's like certain plot structures that we aim for. Like, you know, say there's the mystery plot or the revenge plot or man versus nature, whatever. But the problems you run into, like you were talking about, Jeremy, is when you have this high-level plot in mind, but that plot is the sum of all of your character's motivations, actions, and reactions. Mm -hmm. yeah, I agree with that. And so if the math don't add up, but you're trying to make it, no, two plus two is five. <laughs> Shy character will start shouting at everyone right now. Um, then you're going to... You're going to hit a snag. Yeah. So hopefully we have destroyed that writer's block that's in front of you. Uh, maybe. Let's move yeah. on to finding inspiration. I agree. Um, <laughs> so one thing that I find is great inspiration is uh, reading a lot. Not only reading, but thinking about what you read. Like thinking about, oh, well, I like how that writer did this. Or I don't like how that writer did that. Yep. Or, this was phrased perfect. I'm going to steal this and then just like change it slightly so uh -huh. it's mine. <laughs> And or not I'm plagiarizing. To, yeah. <laughs> or I'm going to, uh, what if this writer had done this? Like, I have one idea I'm going to write soon that I keep brainstorming is, what if everybody through social media found out about Harry Potter and the whole wizarding world? What would happen? Mm. Like, people, like, shared on, like, YouTube a bunch of videos of wizards doing stuff. And it was just... It blew up. It just yeah. blown You know, most open. people would just say it was fake. Yeah, it would be fake. It's on the internet. Yeah, it's like, this is easy internet. to fake. <laughs> I've, I've seen those, you know, Adobe After Effects demo videos. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, like, you can get a lot of good ideas. Like, if you boil from what you're reading, boil it down and grab little elements that you like. Um, if you take things whole cloth... Like I did in high school. Um, like, oh, hey, let's take Aragorn from Lord of the Rings and put him in, like, Harry Potter magic school for X-Men. It was bad. Um, <laughs> very, very, That's you know, derivative. <laughs> You're like, I want to read this book. That's right. Um, and then uh, TV. TV is great. TV is great, actually. Well, go ahead, Leah. What, get, what are some of your thoughts about it? You know, I get a lot of inspiration from TV because I I worked with TV for a long time. So I had TV, like a lot of TV for a long time. And 
sometimes being able to see a scene unfold helps you describe it better. Um, in my, my second novel, I was working on a knife fighting scene. And, you know, I just had to, I started looking at movies that had good knife fighting scenes in it. And I actually, you know, watched what was, I think it was, it was a movie with um, Benicio Del Toro in it where it's very similar to, like, Rambo First Blood. Uh-huh. Um, but, yeah, there's these great knife-fighting scenes in it. It's all about knife-fighting, and it's it's fantastic. I used that movie to choreograph some of the fight scenes in my book. That's awesome. Like, I would just, like, rewind and watch some of the same scenes over and over and over again and describe them differently. So I use I use movies and TV a lot, actually. That's that's really cool. That is really cool. I, I'm going to be counter to both of them. Um, <laughs> the problem is, is I'm I'm an extreme sponge. Uh, that's, that doesn't sound right, but um, when I when I read something, my mind is like, oh, this would be a great idea. Oh wait, I want to do this, and I want to do this. And so when I get into a writing mode, oftentimes I slow down the reading. I slow down the TV consumption. I slow down the movies because I don't want too much. Filtering into what I have is my grand design of for my Tainting book. Tainting the wall. <laughs> and so it's kind of a weird scenario that I do read books. I love books. But when I get to that full-on writing, sometimes I actually pull back a little bit um, just to allow my own mind to just make conclusions. Of course, then I find out later that someone's already done that in some story I've never read. Um, Sorry. <laughs> yes, you did that today. <laughs> <laughs> And that happens. But for me, it's kind of the opposite. Um, I find inspiration from those things, but I almost find too much inspiration. So I have to back off or my story kind of loses its uniqueness to me and becomes what I'm reading or what I'm watching, uh, kind of some flavor of those. Yeah. That has actually happened to me before, too. Also, I actually find inspiration in music a lot. I don't listen to a lot of music. I can't say I'm the kind of person that's super into music. I don't even listen to the radio in the car when I drive. But if I'm writing a scene and I want the scene to unfold a certain way, sometimes I have I have certain soundtracks that I have created for myself that are just for those types of scenes. Like if I'm writing a large battle, I almost always will listen to the Gladiator soundtrack. Awesome. You know, um, or pretty much anything by, by Raman Jawadi. I think that's how you say Ron his name. Jawadi. Yeah. He is awesome. Like he did the Game of Thrones soundtrack and, and many Pacific Rim. Pacific Rim. You know, I love that movie. I love it. It's I so, love it's it. It's a good show. It's so great. Monsters and, and mechs. It's a, it's a happiness movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a happiness it's a turn movie. off your brain and enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Second one was pretty cool too. Yeah, but I mean the the music has to match though. I mean, sometimes I'm writing and I just I need no music at all. I need silence in order to, you know, get my thoughts right. So that's that's my take on music. Yeah, that's a very good take. I, I've noticed that my music, when what I listen to does affect what I'm writing. So I have to be careful. If I'm listening to sad music, a very happy scene could be tempered. Um, <laughs> or, or a battle scene could suddenly slow down to a... Oh. I didn't know this was going to happen or, I mean, <laughs> it, it just, it could go negative on us very quickly. So, so I try to, I, I listen to a lot of epic music, uh, two steps from heck. It's a different word there. Um, is one of my favorite groups. They do a lot of epic music. I just love that music and it's perfect for when I'm writing. I actually have a writing sound or list of music and most of it is their music. Yeah. Like a cryo chamber, 
um, Audio Machine, Pulse Music. There's a bunch of YouTube channels where they just have these mixes. Uh-huh. Like, oh, sometimes when I just need something to distract my brain a little bit when I'm writing, I'll look up Chill, chill Step. Mm. Chill step. Chill step. Like dubstep. Like dubstep. Chiller but, than dubstep. But chill. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> it's, it's pretty good stuff. Um, but yeah, um, I like to use my music when I'm writing, but if I'm like writing a sad scene and then it starts getting happy, I got to turn off the sad music or it just It won't get happy. Yeah, or something really bad will happen. Yeah, I was writing, gonna die. <laughs> I was writing a scene one time where something was supposed to happen, something very specific, and I just happened to be listening to sad music, and next thing I knew, one of my main characters was dead. I was like, what have I done? No. Wait a minute. Wait, what, what just happened? I didn't mean to get that character stabbed in the eye. It's like, darn, darn it, Brian Tyler. <laughs> What's that sad song doing in here? <laughs> I think, actually, I was thinking, listening to the Battle Los Angeles soundtrack. <laughs> Lots of epic music in that. But then there's this one sad song, and that just happened to be the one that I was on. It <laughs> just threw me off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it killed the character. Thanks, Brian. <laughs> so speaking of uh, characters and people, go ahead, Jim. <laughs> You got the next one. All right. I'm once again. I'm kind of creepy. So just <laughs> I, I would go to a park and write. Now, now All I'm going to talk about are creepy. <laughs> Look I'm at our talk about. Uh, yes. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I keep cutting you off. It makes me think of that story that uh, that horror writer wrote. That he was how he would do his research is he'd be doing research in McDonald's right in front of the Playland, and he realized, wait. I'm looking up torture devices right in front of this playland where the kids are playing. <laughs> it's like, I can't remember who it was. Uh, Michael Brent Collings. No. He's the one that told me that. Or it was in one of the panels I attended one time. This doesn't just, look very good. Yeah, this probably doesn't look very good. I was just, these families behind me and I'm looking up torture devices. Can't exactly so, hang out with teenage girls to yeah. get up the right teenage girls. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That'd be, uh... But I, my first book uh, is following... A teenage girl, of all things. And so... (laughs) But, so... I am obviously not a girl. And so one thing that I would do is, especially with my wife, I would watch how she reacted to things. And I would watch how other people reacted to things. And so I started watching people and how their reactions to different situations happened. In particular, non-male characters, because this was not a male character. And... uh, so I kind of learned how to make my characters act by watching others. Uh, people just out there. You'd be surprised at how much you can see by just looking up from a menu in a restaurant. Um, and listening. And listening to conversations. Mm-hmm. Sure, it's kind of creepy, but seriously, there is some inspiration to be had by just watching. Well, I, and <laughs> I had this one time that me and my family went out to dinner at this, like, I think it was like the Black Bear Diner and uh, like a super breakfast place. Yeah, I've been there. It's good. Yeah. Uh, It is a good place. Their bacon is amazing. Their biscuits and gravy. Uh Delicious. But anyway, I was there with my family and uh, sitting in one of the booths, you know, near us were these two like older, maybe 70s church service missionaries. Mm -hmm. And uh, they were both scowling and playing on their phones. Like these two 70-year-olds just sitting there scowling, playing on their phones like a husband and wife. And I'm just like, what story is over there? <laughs> like, you know, first off, you know, it's a husband and wife. They're out to dinner mm-hmm. and they're also doing something incongruous, which is like 
or, or typically considered incongruous. They're staring at smartphones yeah. and ignoring each other. Yeah. <laughs> and their food came and they ate it and they didn't talk and then they left. <laughs> it was just, <laughs> what is story? going on? And I don't even know if they were like necessarily mad at each other. Maybe they just didn't have anything to talk about. Yeah, maybe. Maybe they were both reading a newspaper or not. I don't know. Yeah. No. <laughs> uh, I mean, another thought is also while you're watching people, also watch your surroundings. Mm-hmm. You might just see something that may inspire you. Uh, sunrises do that all the time for me. Uh, yeah. I'm, when I'm heading over to basketball in the morning and I see a beautiful sunrise, I think, wow, I need to write something like that at some point in my book. I need some sort of really just glorious sunrise that someone can see. Any video uh, footage of Iceland. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's you know, like. I was driving home from work one evening and this girl with really long red hair went running across the street and her hair was just flowing out behind her and it was so beautiful <laughs> and it actually like gave me an idea for a scene so and I wasn't I almost rear-ended the car in front of me because I was just like <laughs> duh <laughs> gorgeous hair you know <laughs> That's awesome. But but it did give me a really good idea for a scene and actually like a, the, a good idea on how to describe a scene and add more depth and detail to it. Yeah. That's All because really cool. her hair was so pretty. That's just running That's, across the street. She was. She was running across the street, you know, through traffic and I about rear-ended somebody because of it. Me. Oh. That's fantastic. That's <laughs> Distracted by another woman. <laughs> hey, you know, we can all appreciate beauty. I mean, Thor. Yeah. He is a beautiful man. Sorry. I, yeah. I'm in love with Thor. So I'm going to keep going. You and um, <laughs> if my wife is listening to this podcast, she already knows. Um, <laughs> so one thing that I love doing is studying history and philosophy. Like, different lenses to view the world. In fact, that's one of the best things about fiction, is it's like getting dunked into the subconscious of another person. And it it helps with what psychologists call theory of mind, or your ability to, um, you know, like simulate in your head what other people think. Like, how would Jeremy react here? How would Leah react here? How would Raphael react here? And, uh, oh, yeah, Raphael's not here because his wife either is having a baby or is close to having a baby. We should have mentioned that last time. Or was I? Oh, Sorry. yes. Philosophy. Philosophy. Um, essentially, that, that's all I'm trying to point out. Like, you can look at some ancient cultures. Like, I've looked at some research about how medieval Europeans viewed death. Because it's quite different than how we do. Yeah. Because it was so common. And how they viewed war. And how they viewed, oh, seven of my children died. It doesn't mean they weren't sad, but it was just, it was the way things were. Mm -hmm. So, we're going to wrap up. We're about to get kicked out of our room. Ah! But anyway, this has been part two of Overcoming Challenges in Writing. And uh, we'll see you next time. See you next time. See ya. Thanks for listening.